So tell me, what do healthcare executives think about data? Now, I could tell you what I think they think, but ironically, I don't really have the data to tell you definitively. Well, that was I didn't until now, because InterSystems have recently released a study that I haven't seen been done before. It's called the State of Healthcare Analytics and Interoperability Study in Australia and New Zealand. And this report, it's the results of a comprehensive survey of healthcare executives in Australia and New Zealand that InterSystems commissioned, and it highlights what they have to say about the key data management and analytics challenges that they face. And InterSystems have made that report available for you to download for free. And the link to download it, it's on our website and in the article of this podcast episode and in the show notes on your podcast player as well. But right now in this episode, I'm joined by Andrew Aho from InterSystems, and he's going to take us through it and help us understand more the key data management and analytics challenges faced by healthcare executives in Australia and New Zealand. So let's get to it. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Andrew Aho, Regional Director for Data Platforms at InterSystems, who are proud THT Plus members and they're empowering providers, payers, governments, medtech innovators, software developers, clinical laboratories, and telehealth providers to deliver what matters. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Very well, thanks, Pete. How are you doing? Really good. It's good to have you on the show again. And I felt like it was only yesterday, but I have to go back and check because it's been a while since we caught up on the pod. We've chatted, obviously, at events and things in between, but it's great to have you on the show again. Yeah, thanks very much. It's great to be here. And I agree, it's been too long since the last time we talked. Yeah, well, lots has happened in that time. You know, I know InterSystems has been busy pulling together this study that we're focusing on today and some of the outcomes of that. So keen to get in amongst it. For those that want to learn more about InterSystems and Andrew, there's another episode, which we'll link in the show notes of this episode that you can go back and check out after this one for that context. But talk to me more about this study, the state of analytics and interoperability study that InterSystems has undertaken. Yeah, sure. So it definitely was timely. This is something that uh, we'd been thinking about for a little while now. And as it came to pass, a study of this kind hasn't actually been run in Australia and New Zealand with healthcare executives for about a decade. So it really was uh, time to do this. And I think the premise of it really is that, you know, as with many other industries, healthcare has come to realize that data does drive better clinical outcomes, reduce cost of care, you know, even things like personalized medicine. And we really do need to understand how our organizations, how our customers and partners are coping when it comes to all of this additional data and all the new techniques around managing data. So we worked with our research partner, a company called Ecosystem, and they conducted this study across 180 executives in Australia and New Zealand. Really was across a good cross-section of providers, large and small, public and private, regional and uh, metro. So I think we have a very good cross-section here. And look, yeah, very, very interesting results. I think we're showing as an industry some really good progress that some of the major challenges still remain, that some of them you'd expect and some of them you won't. Mm. 
Oh, look, I mean, great cohort of people to pull together insights from a mass. Like you say, I haven't seen something like this for quite a while. And we talk about it on a regular basis, but nice to have something a bit more tangible to look at. And for those that want to follow along at home, they've got the full reports available, of course, through the Intersystems website, but we'll make it easy and put it in the show notes of this episode. You can click on and click through to there as well. But with the title, it's the analytics and interoperability side. And I think Intersystems have done a pretty good job of positioning because I know when I think of interoperability, Intersystems is right up there as the providers that you know make that the mantra. But talk to me a bit more about the focus on analytics as well. Yeah, so I'll just give you a personal view first, which is that my career has been focused on analytics. So obviously, when the opportunity to be part of this survey came up, that was very interesting to me and really keen to see kind of what had changed in the last few years, certainly. But Intersystems, whilst we have a very strong name in interoperability, actually, we started out in data and interoperability is, to us, is just part of what you need to deploy really powerful healthcare applications. So when we think about interoperability, and you might be thinking about interoperability in terms of getting applications and systems to work together or cutting down data silos, to us, no matter what you're doing with moving that data around, all of that information is then available for machine learning as a fire repository to create new APIs for analytical models. I mean, WA Health is a great example of exactly this where, you know, they connect all of their clinical and non-clinical administrative operational systems together across the state. They use Intersystems Iris for Health to persist the data and create a longitudinal healthcare record. And then from that information, you can do all kinds of wonderful things. One of the things they're doing is creating discharge summaries that they can then send out at a central level. So yeah, look, I think this is actually really very much in intersystems heritage and capability, but in recent years, certainly our name in the market has very much been associated with what we're doing around interoperability. Yeah. Now that makes sense when you put them like that, the interoperability enabling things like the analytics to be able to do those types of things. So that's really on point. You know, unpack it a little bit more then. So tell me what were some of those important findings from the study and explain why you think they were important? Yeah, sure. So there are a number of key findings. I think the most important one and the one that I was very pleased to see right up front was that 78% of healthcare executives said that analytics was either in the top five of strategic initiatives, or it was intrinsic to all strategic objectives and initiatives. So that's fantastic. You know, I think I might have expected to see a slightly lower number a few years ago, but to see it confirmed across this group was fantastic. Some other things that we discovered that executives are expecting clinical outcomes, as well as you know, lower risk and improved patient experience and safety and things like that. These are the key things they want to see out of their analytics investments. But the reality is that where the funding is going, more than 64% of the respondents had complying with government mandates as being the top area for spend relating to data and analytics. So we've got this, you know, it's not opposing, but certainly contrasting need to want to solve things for the patient. And we've got investment going into data and analytics to do that. But then we're spending a lot of time and effort complying with government mandates. And behind government mandates, we had cost optimization was at 46%. That's still higher than clinical outcomes where the money was going, which was about 42%. Yeah. Okay. What other insights were there that you found particularly interesting from the survey? Yeah. So a number of other findings, another one that you know is something that we need to work on is that more than 50% of healthcare executives don't have full trust in their data. And there's a couple of reasons behind that, but kind of at a high level, you know, 51% of respondents said 
they have a lack of data quality. 43% said they didn't have real-time access. And obviously, data quality is something that is contextual. You know, we might not need to have 100% data quality for certain types of tasks. But the real issue is that if you do have a hiccup when it comes to data quality, if you do put you know, flawed data in front of people more than a couple of times, or it's not fit for their purpose, you can very quickly undermine investments and improvements around your data quality initiatives. And real-time access, I thought that was very interesting because you know, I work in a few other industries and we talk about streaming data and really having you know, up to the, the nanosecond kind of information flying through exactly as it happens. And there's not a lot of need for that throughout healthcare. There are some areas where obviously time is, is critical. And I think what I took away from this is that people actually just want better more timely access to data rather than saying, let's go out and spend a ton of money on streaming data. It's more about just make sure I can get the data I need at the time I need it so I can either improve care, help with a improve a patient experience or an outcome, or it might be that I need it to be able to optimize cost or, or whatever it might be. So some really interesting kind of findings across the survey there. Yeah, no, there are. And that makes sense about the having timely access to data. Just back to that point that you mentioned the government mandates one being a challenge, you know, that's quite significant. Did it surprise you that the top business objective for healthcare providers was just about complying with government mandates? Why is this significant in terms of analytics and interoperability? Yeah, was it surprising? Not particularly surprising, but something that I think that we need to work on. I think a lot of publicly funded organisations in healthcare around this part of the world and so obviously that justification for funding you know is a key part of where these investments go so that part's not particularly surprising but i guess i'm looking for more of what's the optimistic upside on how we can improve and and how do we actually address this so i think there's a broader challenge here which is how do we swiftly get through the government compliance aspects and then be able to release investment and resources towards some of the more clinical focused things that we're trying to do, generating actionable insights and getting those insights back to the point of care where you can actually improve a, a situation or, or prevent deteriorating scenario. And I think that's got several elements to it. So another piece that came out in the study was that only about 33% of organizational data strategies were linked to digital transformation. So if we are trying to move from having this huge outlay for government outcomes and complying with those, then we probably need to have a bit of a think about how we're going to actually do this holistically. You know, your data strategy should be linked to your overall organizational strategy. Your data strategy should be linked to digital transformation. I understand this is hard because when it comes to data management, this world is changing you know, rapidly. There are so many new ways of dealing with data and so many different types of data that have evolved in recent years. So it is hard, but we do need to find ways to keep up to date with these sort of data management techniques as they're changing. I think that's a really important part about, you know, you see in obviously health systems are all at different stages, depending on their maturity with the, you know, the adoption of technology and whatnot, and how closely, I guess, strategy links in with digital strategy or the data. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. 
So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members. It's literally the heart of everything we do. So consider joining as a THT Plus member. You can join anytime online. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. Art aside and, you know, those that you see are a bit more ahead of the curve have got those things kind of tied together as opposed to separate. So, you know, here's the ICT department dealing with the devices and the internet, it's much more than that when it comes to connectivity within the hospital setting, how they use the data. And so having all those things all tied together are really important. And I guess then by doing that and working with someone like Intersystems who's seen some of those health providers do it well, we could probably start to see analytics be used more for the things that it needs to be used for, or it should be spent more time on as opposed to just doing, you know, reporting for important matters, but there's other more important things that analytics can be useful too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we did uncover quite a number of organizations. I think it was about a quarter of them said they were still focused on building a centralized data repository. And that has kind of two implications, if you like. And I think that having clean data, no matter where it's held, is an important thing. But that really does suggest that it's focused towards more on the government compliance or kind of static statutory reporting needs. And we do need to help get the analytics investments more towards things like actionable insights. They're two very different games. You know, getting some data prepared and having it make sense is a challenging job in and of itself. To then have that information turned into an insight, something that's actually going to help somebody. And it's distilled down to maybe one data point on a whole page of information. And then getting it back into the system where it can actually make the difference at the time it can make the difference. That's a whole nother, I guess, a whole nother set of skills and capabilities beyond producing kind of the static reporting side of things. That's where I think we need to be shifting towards and having the investment going to. Yeah, no, I got you. You know, we've talked about some of those technical challenges when it comes to analytics and having good quality data is the number one problem. But the study also looks at some of the top business challenges when it comes to analytics adoption as well. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, look, this is something that I think everybody is familiar with at the moment. Skills, 64% of respondents said they lacked sufficient IT staff. 58% struggled to secure adequate budgets. 54% can't find staff with a suitable mix of clinical and technical or analytics skills. And certainly finding people with what's been happening in the last couple of years with global mobility and then having the right skill sets has been very, very challenging. So that came out very clearly, as you can tell from those numbers. But I think you know, another key area that organizations are struggling with is data leadership. So we obviously have some very good data leaders out there. And I think generally speaking, data literacy is on the rise. But we do, you know, just from that 54% struggle with the mix of people who can do clinical and analytical type discussions, you know, that language barrier is very challenging at the top. And, you know, who cares if you're a CMO, you know, do they really care whether you're 
looking at data warehouses versus data fabrics or data lakes, data meshes, data lake houses. I mean, I don't think any of that's really at the top of their agenda. So when I say, you know, what can we do to improve, you know, how do we have those conversations where we can say, look, actually, our organization has been pursuing a strategy. We've been on this path for two or three years. We've decided that we're going to adjust because there's newer approaches available. And then how do we communicate that in terms of business benefit, value, decreased time to results, improved access to actionable insights, and then all of the obviously the good things around clinical and business benefits that they'd be looking to see as well. So I think there's that conversation is also providing some challenges for organizations. Yeah, I think that point around communication We know that health, there's so many different stakeholders, different proficiencies and professions that are everyone focusing in different areas and something that is like analytics pulling together, technology pulling together all different parts. And and when you're dealing with this concept of interoperability and analytics pulling together all the different parts and the silos, I think, you know, it helps with the buy-in too, because if people don't understand, you know, the, why we're doing this in the first place or what the outcomes are, or what we're striving for, it's, we're very good in health of trying to overcomplicate it with the, the technical terms and the make it sound, because sometimes that can also help towards, can contribute towards the whole change inertia piece that we experience in healthcare too, because with more confusion and uncertainty brings less adoption. So I think if we can start to bring it back to the reasons that we're doing it, as opposed to, yeah, anything else, then beneficial all round. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think that's a really a key part of all of this. If you're having difficulties with the conversation at these levels, then obviously that does lead to having, you know, less budget being allocated, fewer people, and as you said, there are just you've got the whole medical side with all of the acronyms and the terminology. You've got a whole a business layer and then data and technology acronyms and everything else going on as well. It's a very tricky and challenging area to navigate. I've got to say, you know, that 78% of respondents that I set up front see this as being important is very inspiring and, you know, provides some hope. I think quite often you can look at the results of sort of studies like this and you're trying to look for the good and the bad. I'm just trying to get an idea of where we're up to. But I do think that there are some really good things that we've found in this. And I would encourage the listeners to go to the website and, and take a read. Yeah, that point on the 50% that you mentioned at the top of the show, though, the 50% of executives say they don't have trust in the data. That's one we definitely need to work on. And I guess through the points that you raise, that's by by improving, obviously, the quality of the data, but also the communication piece would be important there. Yeah, and something else that came out, which was a bit of a surprise, which sort of leads a little bit into how you can improve data quality. And I'm also tapping into the the stat around real time and just having timely access to data. I think we found that there's something like 74% of respondents thought that a data fabric would be of value in the future or they're currently in some kind of evaluation process. And I, whilst you know we're back to talking about technology here and not necessarily about the benefits, it does represent quite a shift in analytics. So you know we talk about the collect versus connect, and there's really some good reasons why you might collect data across um, different silos and create a single repository. But there's certainly you know, an argument that's being made for connecting to these sources. And one in particular, without doing a lot of data movement, one in particular does, you know, there are cost benefits, maintenance benefits for not duplicating the data and, and moving it around. But I think about it in terms of transition of care and continuity of care. And in the world that we're in today, you know, there's been more care that's been done remotely 
and away from the patient in the last two years than probably ever before. We've got new initiatives like hospital in the home, so many more smart devices, watches, medical devices. And actually that turned up in the data as well, that people are tapping into those sources a lot more. And so being able to kind of weave the cloth across your organization that stitches together the data assets so that you can use them when and how you need to. Yeah, you know, I think that will help a lot with these problems around timeliness, the cost, and certainly the quality as well, if we're thinking about how do we use what we've got rather than building new data silos. Absolutely. I'm just thinking we need to add data fabric to the Talking Health Tech glossary as well. That's probably missing. We've got Lake on there. I'm sure there's others that we need to add in too, just to break down those, the understanding. Sure, sure. I mean, we've got the landscape a little bit more now in terms of you know, some really good things, but also some challenges there. Let's start to move into the what do we do about it type conversation. What do you think needs to change? Like, does the study offer any solutions towards it? Look, it's a study that gives us a really good context for where we're up to, but we need to make the decisions ourselves around where we go to from here. I think you remember one of your summits I said recently, but I think it's probably a year ago now. Getting on, yeah. Yeah, where we chatted with some data leaders and in particular, Bruno um, Brager from the Marta. Mm. And I think that conversation, for me, the sentiment of that still stands. We need to be really thinking about how do we do the best that we can across our industry and community. So that means that, you know, healthcare providers and facilities, uh, working with health tech organizations, working with consulting and research, how do we all come together to help understand, you know, what we can collectively bring to the table? I think, you know, that spirit of partnership and openness really does help to solve the bigger problems. And the sort of problems that we're talking about here aren't, you know, point solution problems. You know, analytics is all encompassing. Care, you know, people are demanding that their care is more holistic and, you know, that concept of a consumer, not just a patient. So I think we really do need to have that sort of shift in mindset and and a big focus on partnership to be able to work through whatever the solutions that need to be worked on. I think that's a good message for both healthcare providers and technology vendors too. You know, it, it goes both ways and that point around a collaborative approach to solving some of the problems is a really good one. Yeah, I think it gets harder in healthcare because you've also got an element of the clinical side. But I'm telling you, there's a ton of really good leaders out there we're working with who have got their clinical backgrounds. They know how to engage at the business level and they're very savvy and willing to learn when it comes to technology. So again, I'm inspired and I think really just a call to action to everybody to let's see what what we can do with this and with this momentum. No, well, look, great. The study is in the show notes of this episode for people to click through and have a good read through. Some great insights there. As you said, it's not something that we've seen for a while and what a good time to do it now off the back of the last couple of years. So Andrew, I appreciate you coming onto the show and having a chat and I can't wait to the next conversation that we have on the show soon. Yeah, me too, Pete. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you.